Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are here to discuss the DC Comics coming out on June 7th, 2022. And a little caveat here. We um we feel like next week's books are not all that uh interesting slash worth discussing. So we are going to be covering half of this week's books this week and half next week. So just in case you're expecting uh something different that's what we're doing and uh if you don't like it sorry i guess um i'm not sorry i know you're not first up though is batman number 124 written by joshua williamson illustrated by howard porter and jorge fornes this is the final issue of joshua williamson's batman run and vince start us off what'd you think of this issue um well it was fine um i i I suggested we read it just based on like flipping through uh, between last week's show and this one. And I kind of regret it because it's really, it's, it's really not as interesting as it kind of appeared like it might be while I was flipping through it. Um, But I, I, I did like, I thought it was pleasant the way that Williamson rounded out the, stuff with that detective Keha from from Badnesia mm-hmm. um and and how you know if if you'll recall Bruce somewhat extended like an offer to her earlier to like if not join the bat family to at least like be a uh, be an ally of some sort be an ally or yeah like be mentored by him in some way uh so, you know just just be in that world in, in some form or fashion. And um, I'm always interested in that. Like I, I like when the bat family, I don't mind that it's big and I don't even mind that it gets bigger all the time. Like I, I, I enjoy that. I think that's my favorite Bruce Wayne, I think is one who's like open to allies and family. And, and I think that's when I, when I enjoy the character the most. So um definitely happy to see that and happy to see them return to that. And I think, I think Williamson rounds that story off really nicely. Um, I think that's why I was excited when I was flipping through it. I think the actual reading of it is a little, there's a couple moments here and there that are like, okay, you're putting too fine of a point on this or you're, you know, specifically like at the end, Bruce is like, uh, at one point she's going to kill, the like the bad guy or who was potentially responsible for uh, the disappearance or death of her parents. And she doesn't. And then she's like, how, how did you know I wouldn't kill them or whatever? And he's like, cause I've been there before. And I looked in the mirror and I was frightened by what I saw. And what I saw was myself. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. All right. <laughs> like we get it. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was getting big John Wayne Gacy Jr. vibes from that bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, look beneath the floorboards. The secrets uh, I've had. Okay, now I like it. <laughs> <laughs> if, it were, if it were Tom King, and if Tom King had like better taste in music, he would have used that as like a narration. He would have used that song uh, yeah. if Tom King were writing this. 
Uh, just for folks who don't know that as a Sufjan Stevens song, we're not just talking about the existence of John Wayne Gacy yeah. Jr. <laughs> no, no. As, as the thing it reminds us of. It is a specific <laughs> reference to a song. I'm just putting that out there because, good Lord, uh, I, I, feel, I feel I must. <laughs> so... <laughs> Zach, what do you think of this issue? Um, I don't feel too differently than Vance, other than like, yeah, I mean, the <laughs> the the stuff at the end that he mentioned did hit a little bit better for me because that was the first connection I made. Was like, <laughs> oh yeah, I get it. Uh, and so, um, I I mean, I like I you know, it's just it's kind of funny like. Williamson's run on Batman has been so short. It's what, like seven issues total? Seven or eight? I think it's a little bit more than that. Well, it was just like the one arc, which I think was four issues. And then it was the Shadow War. Shadow War stuff, which was only like two or three issues of Batman. Mm. And then this one. So it can't be that many. Um, but I do feel like he is able to kind of like leave a like lasting mark with the creation of this abyss character this it's it's a cool idea it's a it's a visually it's visually a cool character and like i i'm interested to see you know she has like kind of um phantasm-esque vibes to her which you know is always is definitely my kind of thing um and and if that is like the lasting thing from from Williamson's run, I, I think that's fine. Um, I think one of the coolest parts about this run that is like on display here is just how cool Howard Porter has been. Um, and this issue is still is still more of that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it didn't blow me away or anything. I did think, I thought the idea of Bruce not intervening was interesting and it actually i think shows like some character development for him which is kind of weird to think about because like he has that line of like i have been in this situation before and i have stopped people and that wasn't the end and you know you specifically think of like jason maybe mm -hmm. or like asriel or something um <clears throat> so this is him like learning from those interactions and experiences which is kind of cool um so yeah, I guess I I guess I mostly liked it. Yeah, I, I thought this was okay. I I am not as high on Abyss as you are, Zach. So that that somewhat colors my thought of this. But this has really good art from both Howard Porter and in a brief flashback from Jorge Fornes. Uh, so yes. you know, like it is it is always good to see those two guys doing what they do on comics. And I think you know we were talking about Shadow War recently about how there is there's the real Howard Porter and then there is the sort of uh, the dime store Howard Porter we get in some of there. And when compared with his imitators, this just looks I mean, Howard Porter. What I will say about Howard Porter, that I would say about one of Vince's favorites, Kelly Jones, is that very rarely does Howard Porter draw a page that is boring. You may not like the choices he makes every time, but there is something going on in almost every corner of the page, whether it's the, the, the way that the characters are standing and moving 
or the setting that it's in or just the visual storytelling he does. It's never dull. And that was my problem with and I, I, don't, I don't I can't remember offhand. That I don't even want to mention the, the artist who we were calling like the poor man's Howard Porter. I feel like Elena. what they I'm saying it. Come on. Um, I said just, it, not you. You did not me. Correct. But um, just this idea of like the art is frenetic and can be a little wild and a little bit maybe too loose for some folks. But if the page is composed in interesting ways and if the storytelling is there, then it just it elevates it because it gets it borders on the surreal. It borders on the exaggerated. All that is very good when the storytelling is lesser. It just looks sloppy sometimes. And this does not feel that way at all. This is this is really, really well done. Uh, my only artistic note at all for this is that in the Fornes pages, because we have to, we get the goddamn pearls. <laughs> you're 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 really anti pearls. Well, I, you know, and it's, it's just that it's one of those things that nobody needs to see ever again. Yeah, we get it. And I feel like for a while it wasn't as omnipresent as it is now. Like for the, you know, for the first 65 years of Batman's existence, you would see them every now and then. But for the last 15, I don't think there's been three months that have gone by in Bat <laughs> Comics where you haven't seen the pearls. Yeah. Do you think I that's think... Morrison's fault? It could be. I think it's I, I think just every comic has to every comic has to repeat the same beats now. Like every comic is essentially written as if it could be the first trade somebody picks up. Um, and so even no matter how insignificant they need to like throw something like that in, you know, I, I understand that. Like, I think there is a romantic na- notion of like that whole Every comic is someone's first comic thing. I, I understand why people want to perpetuate that. But the reason that that worked for however many years is because, yes, absolutely. Every comic is somebody's first comic, but the creators weren't pandering to that. You would just have to you would just deal with it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you would you would just you would pick up a comic that you wouldn't understand everything about it but you were intrigued enough to keep going. And now they have neutered that. And it's every comic has to, or every arc has to feel like somebody's first arc as opposed to just the reality of it. I also, you know, it's like, it's also just like, we have to keep revisiting Bruce's parents dying all the time. And when you get like a really iconic piece of artwork, like it just becomes visual shorthand to reference that, you know, like you have the, like Mazzucchelli, um, like the image of Bruce, kneeling on the ground between the bodies of his parents that gets regurgitated all the time. Right. And and I don't know, I wonder, like, I'm kind of curious, like when the first like pearl imagery really became (laughs) a thing, you know, Um, I, that would be some interesting research for someone to go do. When, when did the pearls become a thing? Um, Because it is like good visual imagery and it does like, Oh, we're, we're doing the death of the Waynes. You got to have the pearls. Um, so I don't know. I get it, but it does suck <laughs> or it doesn't suck, but it's just, it's, it is, it becomes very wearisome when you're reading comics as often and frequently as we do. Yeah. I, I will say I like when it's 
I like when it's incorporated into the art somehow. I don't like when it is the focus of the art or the scene. Like it, this is tough to describe, but like if, if, if a writer does a scene where like it's essentially retelling the parents getting shot in the alley thing. And then like they, they focus on the pearls and they focus on all the, all the imagery we've seen a million times that wears on me. If they, if they're showing you like one, one very quick glimpse into Bruce's history and all of that stuff is kind of incorporated into one image that they're not spending a ton of time on, mm-hmm. then I'm f- fine with that. And and even sometimes thrilled with the way that they could incorporate. Like I've seen, I can't remember who the artist was, but they literally put like, they made the pearls into panels and then there was stuff happening in the panels. That's great. Like do more of that. Make Incorporate it into the storytelling instead of making it the story that we've sure, seen. A million sure. Times. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Any. Yeah. Any other notes on this, uh, on this uh, part of the comic? Mm, no. Nah, not for me. So we have a backup here and, uh, I, I want to know, are we going to talk about the backup now? Or are we going to talk about it as part of the uh, the next book? Well, I almost wondered if, do we want to just go ahead and talk about it and then talk about that book? Just as a lead in. I'm cool with that. Alphabetical order, but. I'm oh, cool with it'll, that. it'll kill me if we don't. I know. I know, my friend. I'm sorry. You're right. Yeah. That'd be cool. The backup of this is a Poison Ivy backup written by G. Willow Wilson, illustrated by Danny, which means it's already 10 out of 10 because it's going to look amazing. <laughs> uh, we are big Danny fans here. Um, but, you know, this is this is a bit of nothing. It's it's a little tease for the number one for the miniseries <laughs> that's launching this week. There's not really anything that happens here, uh, but it looked really nice. And I appreciate DC using its best selling book as an advertisement for another book. It, I won't push back hard on you saying it's a bit of nothing, but I think it is. So it's like, you know how like a zero issue or a prelude story can just like be padding and have like unnecessary information. Yes. This, this does that a a little bit in that everything that happens in this ish, this this little story is kind of like referenced or alluded to in the first issue of Poison Ivy, but it's like context for stuff that I like. I don't mind seeing it. Like we see, it's pretty much like three big things. It's her. It's Ivy talking with the gardener. Is that her name? Yeah, I believe so. The avant gardener. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a Courtney Barnett reference for everyone yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. Um, then her ingesting this like fungal strain, which like gives her crazy powers. And then her meeting up with this couple in the van. And like all three of those things are, are referenced and in the, in the first issue. And you didn't need to see this to get any of those things, but it's, it's nice. I don't mind it. It looks really good. I think in a trade, 
it will flow really well into the first issue. And the fact that they both come out in the same week, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't mind this. I think it's good. I, mean, I, I, don't disagree, I don't necessarily disagree with any of that, but I just think, you know, like one of the things that we have talked about on this show is that there are some books that are, you know, too compressed and some that are too decompressed. And to me, the first issue of Poison Ivy did not feel like it was missing anything where I would be lamenting its its, you know, its lack of uh, background or of detail that you get from this. Like I think sure. the, you read that first issue with no issue whatsoever from this, except yeah. that the Danny art is really pretty. Yeah. Well, and it's, I also like think about it in a way of like, if this was the first part, like if this was part of that poison Ivy issue, mm-hmm. it would not f- feel, it would not make that issue feel bloated or unnecessary to me. You know what I mean? Like it, it goes well with that issue. It doesn't sure. feel so extraneous I can agree with that yeah okay what, yeah what yeah by that what do you think Vince um I don't have much to say that you guys didn't cover already I think the one thing about issue one of poison ivy versus this is unless I'm mistaken unless I'm misremembering there is a reference to the gardener in that first issue, except they, except she never says the gardener by name. And so she says like her, yes. she said it was because of her. Yes. And I honestly, like, not that I've completely forgotten about the gardener or what her role was just, um, I actually read, <laughs> I actually read poison Ivy number one first. Oh boy. Forgetting that, forgetting that this backup was even in here. Right. Like, that's why. That's why that happened. Um, and when she said it was because of her, I was like, who is she talking about? Be- because I couldn't pull the gardener or make the connection, right? Mm-hmm. Even though, like, once I was once I read this, just seeing the gardener made me remember, like, I didn't need any other context to be like, oh, yeah, that was the end of uh, Tynion's run where this all happened. Right. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is you probably need this prelude. If you have a bad memory like me and can't remember that the gardener was the one that was like the, who made this all happen at the end of fear state. <laughs> um, other, number- Sorry, yeah, other than that, you don't really need quote unquote need this. But like Zach said, it's 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 not bad to see. Oh no, but it's not art. bad at all. No, yeah. Um, but we talk about the first issue, which again is written by G. Will Wilson, illustrated by Marcia Takara, doing some of the best work of their career, if you ask me. I thought this issue was great. Doesn't even look like the Takara art that I remember in my mind. You know? Yeah. It's. I mean, it's better. But Takara's always been an artist I've liked anyway. Same. Yeah. Yeah. But this is yeah. some this is some next level. I would think that following up Danny would be a tough act to follow. Would would be uh, you know it's all order, but this this is really good. Um, and I don't mean that to slight Takara at all. Like like I'm surprised, but this is I, this is exceptional. I would say it looks mm-hmm. really good. A lot of that comes down to the coloring too, um, which I think Takara is coloring. Oh really. 
No, no, I'm wrong. It's Arif Prianto. Mm-hmm. Okay. One of the notes I have written down about this is that both in the visuals and in the sort of script, this feels to me more like a Swamp Thing book than a yes. Poison Ivy book. And I, I don't mean that as a negative at all, actually. I think that's actually, I think it's a surprising turn for a Poison Ivy book to go that heavy into the green sort of feeling about it. But I, I, I happen to like that. That was a really nice touch to the story. And it gives some of the, um, oh, uh, theatrics maybe is the wrong word, but Ivy is more, the melodrama, the melodrama of it. Yes, it, it sort of it sort of helps the melodrama of it to have it feel like a Swamp Thing title. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one big thing about this that I know we're not we're all not going to like. So let's get that out of the way, <laughs> which is the that uh, they broke up Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy again. Which, you know, I, I brought that up to the lads chat, our lads chat when. I skimmed through the issue the first time because I knew it, it just popped out at me and it initially like immediately ruffled my feathers because like DC is like notoriously bad about like any kind of relationships um, and like even more so like kind of shutting down a like I thought it was extremely ironic and weird that they would be breaking up one of their most iconic LGBTQ uh couples in <laughs> on the an eve issue, of pride month <laughs> yeah in an issue that is like with pride branding i thought it was like very not funny but you know what i mean um yeah. but in reading the issue i think it makes a bit more sense and i i think that wilson has like a redemption in mind for this but it's it's also just like i'm so tired of like dc kind of rolling these characters back and these relationships back and kind of like moving the football like a little bit further down the field every time it's like the same thing we've seen with like bruce and catwoman or bruce and selena or like i don't know literally anyone you know and so it's just like it's just kind of tiring in that regard to me. Well, my my one pushback against that is that in this story, Ivy is in a place where she is really not herself to a certain degree. And so I think the idea of her wanting to just give everything up and basically go off to die, like, that all fits with a character who would break up their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel as egregious as just like Bruce and Selena literally saying, let's take a year off what, and see what happens. Well, I'm, I'm going to push back on that a little bit just because the way pushing, that the character, pushing this week, <laughs> the way that they left off in fear state though, was that like, she was already not herself and they resolved that they, they resolved that conflict made her herself kind of made her like her truest self and they had their like they had their kiss they had their embrace and they were finally going to be together but now there's like some retroactive not not like continuity but it it is 
we have now learned more about that. It's like, actually, things aren't okay, even though it looked okay, even though we thought things were okay, they're actually not okay. It's still not okay. They well, I mean, it's a, it's a lot like the relationship between the three of us, right? I mean, sure. Yeah. We, we come together on the show and we act all happy go lucky or whatever, but we're at one another's throats in the lad chat and we're ready. We're all ready to quit. You're we're, right. We're, we're like the Beatles. Yeah. Basically. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, no, I'm, can I meet, I'm going to meet you guys in the middle as usual. Mm-hmm. I fall somewhere between the two of you. Um, the, I thought the Harley Pamela quote unquote breakup was tremendously well-written on G Willow Wilson's part. It just really made me wish they didn't just do that in the last uh, Poison Ivy miniseries, you know? Oh, you're right. Yeah. It's not so much. It's not so much um, anything about Wilson's story, right? It's about, like Zach said, what DC keeps doing to these characters, you know? Yeah, yeah. The lo- the internal logic of this comic and of, of and of that breakup, I think, works well enough. And I think that Wilson's dialogue is really strong during that part. She makes you believe that 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 breakup could happen in that way, and it's not. It doesn't feel contrived. And Brian, I think you're right. Yeah, Zach, Zach, you're right when you say it's a little bit re- kind of a retcon to make it seem less okay than it seemed at the end of Fear State, but like. Brian's also right when he says, like, this is Pamela feels like she's lost a part of herself. Um, and that's clearly affecting her as a person and that affects her relationships. I mean, we've all been there where like something external to a relationship that really shouldn't have anything to do with it upsets us or whatever. And it sets us off on some other tangent, you know, Um that part read really believably to me. And, and then I I forget which one of you said it, but like, yeah, there's probably a plan for like a, like a redemption by the end of this, which is also true. But like, again, that's another thing I'm sick of like having to deal with like, Hey, you you all know this is comics and they're going to be back together at the, yeah, that's great. But like, we just did this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we just did it with that previous miniseries we just did it in fear state like that that can't be the story every time you know mm-hmm. and i guess if you don't want that to be the story every time you got to watch that goddamn cartoon uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not doing that so um yeah i you're i definitely you're definitely not wrong like the writing here is very good and it like thematically it it, it is it's very well done. Like what Wilson is doing is really good, but I guess I also just feel like it's a choice to like make it not okay when mm-hmm. the choice could have easily also been made for it to be okay. But then I guess you don't have conflict. You don't have a story. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm le- yeah. I mean, you're right. It is a choice and, I, and I'm less condemning Wilson's choice than I am like you know that prior versions of this story were 
editorially driven, or at least that's the that's the the tip on the down low from like Uncle Rich or whoever, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, like that previous miniseries you yeah. mentioned. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the part I don't like. And then it's and then this gets unfortunately this is affected by the the context having having like i feel like we just read that now maybe it's like two or three years old at this point but i feel like it just i don't disagree happened. though no it, it it does feel like it just happened yeah. and, and and that is a legitimate gripe to have with the with the story yeah comics think, continuity that's right yeah right but i also think that we oftentimes have to and this is an, i think i am the most guilty of this of any of us which is that I sometimes make everything about comics as a as like a, a, a continuum that has been going on since before I was born. Mm-hmm. And, oh, we've seen this before. And I, I kind of I make a big deal <laughs> out of it. Right. Whereas I think that the better thing to do, which, again, I am the worst at, is just looking at this and saying, like, this is really good for what this is in this context. And I haven't heard us say one thing about this issue that wasn't glowing about the issue, even if we feel like we've seen this thing before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The the art is great. The, the story, I think this is probably like, at least at the beginning, the best Poison Ivy story we've had in a long time. And like, it's super, it's super compelling the 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 bit at the end where that guy is like tripping on mushrooms and seeing her as this like weird plant god and she's just like welcome to the sixth mass extinction like that <laughs> yeah. Just like, hell yeah yeah it's isn't this i mean to me the dc has tried to have their cake and eat it too with 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 poison ivy for a while where like she can't be full-on villain but also is never going to fully be a hero because I think we've talked on the show about how there, there's already too many Batman villains or villains in comics in general who like fans think are cool. So like we got to turn them over to the light side or whatever, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it seems like they're never going to fully go that way with, it's with the Vegeta effect. You know, it's the Vegeta effect. Yes. Oh, she's Vegeta. Um, this is probably the best poison ivy as a villain but also somebody sympathetic and who will maintain this like relationship with harley eventually and and somewhat anti-hero status like this is the best version of that story i think i could imagine sure because like she is like legit legit like frightening in this and legit doing stuff that she shouldn't be doing. Because there's nothing I like. There's nothing I dislike more when DC tries to do the anti-hero thing where that person kills a bunch of people. And then you later find out, oh, they were completely irredeemable. Whereas like in this, there's nothing to like, maybe these are not good people or. But there's nothing to say that they're evil people. Some of them, you know, the, right. the, the like rapey guys, obviously, you know, <laughs> but, but like, like the people who like picked her up in the van. Exactly. Or, you know, yeah. Yes. Like 
or the farmers, you know, like the, yeah. Right. Right. Yep. 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 And that's what I'm saying. Like, like in the state she's in right now in her like twisted perspective and like also her being who she is and what her concerns are to then have her do that stuff. It, it, it makes her really complex and compelling in a way that I think like, um, writers always err on one side or the other too much where like, okay, we have to, we have to make sure that everybody understands that all these killings are justified. Right. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen here. And that's satisfying as a reader, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I think that our concerns here are, are valid from the meta narrative context Mm -hmm. of, we want, we want DC to be better about, keeping their couples together specifically their queer couples together we want to be better about even more specifically harley and ivy being a couple but if if we can if we can just judge it based on what's happening in the book i think we can all agree this is pretty good Mm -hmm. and i'm I'm excited that dc is letting g willow wilson do this and uh yeah i'm i'm hopeful for the rest of this miniseries how many uh how many issues is this does anyone know um, if six. I scroll to the top, I can find. Oh no, they don't say. They don't say on the cover. Well, what the age? It's either uh, six or twelve, right? It, yeah. it, it it's six. It's six. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't say on the title page either. Um, the only other thing I want to say is I I think when people listen to our show, as well, I'll just speak for myself. The the like overarching continuity of DC Comics and the way that it works is my by far my favorite thing about reading superhero comics. You know, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't always work out, and it's actually it's usually messy, right? But like, I cannot not approach a comic from that perspective unless it is explicitly walled off. You know, right? If it's explicitly like an alt Elseworlds type thing, you know. But part of the thing that I that I liked about this issue too a lot is that um, Poison Ivy's narration that starts this all off, like it it mentions all the shit that happened in Fear State. Like it is explicitly placing itself in continuity, even though, like I think Zach said, it feels like a Swamp Thing book, and it feels like it, you know, like a semi black label slash yeah. yeah vertigo style storytelling even though it's not and i really like that and then and then it makes the fact that it slots into continuity where the harley poison ivy breakup already happened you know it's just that that's what i like about dc and so when i when i trip up on that stuff it 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 hits harder for me than it would for somebody who just does go with the flow and takes every story somewhat individually and 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 is able to wall them off mentally a little bit better than i can yeah i I think that makes a lot of sense it's it's no slight to the book it's just part of it's part of the experiment that we do when we do this show right like part of it is following these things for god knows how many years we've been doing this now you know Mm -hmm. yeah i concur all right well let's take a break and when we come back we'll discuss our last two books of the week so stay tuned Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. 
Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back to talk about Dark Crisis number one. It's kind of why we didn't start with Dark Crisis number one, uh, looking back on this, but here we are. Uh, written by Joshua Williams and illustrated by Daniel Sampier. So to peel back the curtain a little bit, I had read this book about a month ago in anticipation of interviewing Joshua Williamson. And uh, so I've been sitting with these with these thoughts for a little bit. Um, and mostly I really like this, but I want I want to hear what Zach thought first and I'll come in in a minute. Um, I like this, particularly the art, which I do want to talk about. Um, but it also. It felt weird to me because I would say that 90 percent of this issue felt like what I would have thought that the like that Justice League road to dark crisis issue would have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rather than the first issue of this event. <laughs> Expand all on that a little bit. I know what you mean, but expand on yeah. that a little bit. All the stuff with John kind of like talking with Wally and Hal and then going around and trying to build his Justice League from all of the usual suspects and then some of the not so usual suspects. All of that stuff to me, in my mind, would have been that road to Dark Crisis issue. And then this issue would have been the stuff with Slade and a bit more. Okay. It 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 felt kind of underwhelming to me as a like first issue of an event, but I still enjoyed it. I do have some slightly uh, smaller nitpicks, and mo- gosh, this is like the most pedantic bullshit. But like, I feel like I feel like I don't know whether or not the kind of like big literal opening shot of the issue should matter or, or, or I should be concerned about that because I don't even know how this book is engaging with current continuity because can I go ahead and talk about the, the (laughs) beast boy thing? Sure. Yeah. So, so in this issue and uh, towards the, the end of the issue, Slade just mercs beast boy. But if you've been reading Titans Academy, you know that, Beast Boy and Cyborg are merged, and the only reason that they appear as separate people is because Raven did magic to make them look like separate people. So, like, this <laughs> Beast Boy murder could be a fake-out. But you would only know that if you were reading Teen Titans Academy, which no one was probably reading. I don't even know if Williamson was reading it. So, well, like, I, you'll, you'll know it when they explain it in the next issue. Right, right. Why I he's know. actually alive. I, right. I almost can guarantee you Williamson knew that. I'm sure. I'm being... I'm being flip you know like i i i'm i know he knows that but but like but and i think that's part of why that happened actually yeah but i i also think like i think that i think that's a case you know we've talked about the continuity of infinite frontier before or the lack thereof and i i just feel like going into this book i'm just not sure if i know what matters and what doesn't matter 
and what matters to this book and what doesn't matter to this book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where I'm like coming in on the wrong foot. So like when I have this scene that is given to me, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to, supposed to even react to it because I don't know how the book is approaching it. And if it is a fake out, then that's fine. But it's going to be kind of an under... I feel like it's going to be a really weird thing to have to explain in the second issue for a reader who's not read who didn't read Teen Titans Academy to be like, oh, well, Beast Boy isn't actually dead because that was a magical construct of a being that's Beast Boy and Cyborg combined. You know what I mean? Just to 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 pedant v pedant you here i i felt like i didn't even think of that i just I thought of he's a shape because 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 here's why as my first thought was he's a shapeshifter and you can't really shoot a shapeshifter well we don't know if he's that's how he works but sure i don't know but, but that's <laughs> but 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 to me it's like there there are there are a lot fills of, up the air and the tires of those batmobiles <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. yeah but you know but there are lots of ways to sure, get sure. to him not being killed here's my point well not, yeah i know but like that's also like much easier to explain to a reader than the other thing but that's if he's that's if but he might really be dead but if he's really dead how does that work mechanically with the stuff going on in teen titans academy you see what i mean I, I understand that gripe. To me, the gripe that is that I thought you were going to lead off with is the Jessica Cruz is a Green Lantern here. Gripe. Well, I just I just let that go because I've already bitched about that too much. I like that's the other thing. Yeah, but I, I didn't even but like, bring that up. But see, to me, both of those things are both of those things can and I, I would guess likely will be addressed in future issues. And it won't be a thing the next time we read this book. For, cri- for crisis management in 2030 or whatever we're doing this. Sure, you sure. Know, um, it won't be an issue. Right. But I have I to judge I'm it. On, by I, that. I've got to judge it based on what I what I see here. Sure. I, no, I, and I understand that. I, I, I'm not I'm not judging my judgment, your judgment. Um, I'm just saying I don't think it's as big of a it, to me. It's not as big of a deal. I who, guess. who judges the judges? That's <laughs> yes, what we exactly. all need to know. Uh, Vincey, what do you think of this? Um. Hmm. I mean, Zach, would you end up, would you ultimately say that you liked this or? Uh, (laughs) Okay. I really liked liked the art uh a lot. I liked the art a lot. And I liked ideas behind some of it, but there are also so many things that just like make me groan. Like all the stuff with Black Adam, the whole montage page of the kind of like C and D list characters was just way too tongue-in-cheek tom king for my liking you know yeah um i don't know i i guess i think i'm probably between you you guys um as usual as usual um i i feel like i'm okay I feel like a broken record. I feel like I've been saying the same thing about the Williamson meta narrative all along, which is that there's so many pieces and parts of it that I like and that I'm interested in. And especially in this issue, there's so much about the art that enhances that. Like I love the opening with the, with the Batman and Robin oath. Right. I love, I love the double page spread that follows, which is very like, um, 
Perez vibes, very like Christ on infinite crisis on infinite earths vibes. Oh, we got to get that Christ on infinite earths. <laughs> uh, if you're a true believer, Zach, you will believe there are there's a Christ on infinite earths. Um, the the candlelight vigil page looks so good. Mm-hmm. Um, just picking out who's at the vigil is a lot of fun. Um, so much about this looks good and and is like just like so many individual moments of it are strong and what I want. And then I feel like the whole thing is just too straight of a story somehow. It's too like, okay, we're going to introduce this. John's going to put together this team. They're not exactly quite what you expect, which is maybe the one thing about this that's, that's, really satisfying is that the team ends up being not what you would expect. Um, that's fun. And we'll talk about who's on that team later, I'm sure. But um, big, big 52 vibes. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's why that was probably the best part of this for me. But then like the, the cackling villain stuff at the end, the Slade showing up and, and murky, like all of it is, all of it was just a little too, the straight story for me. Like there's not enough to the David Lynch film, the David Lynch film. Yep. There he's Williamson is cribbing from the story of a man riding a lawnmower across the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, it's just, just like my criticisms with, I think it was the justice league incarnate book. There's just not enough to like, like sink my teeth into, or like that teases my mind. Like none of this is, is a, is a mystery that teases me. None of the, I, I don't expect like, it doesn't compel you. Yeah. I I'm not expecting like Morrison where like Morrison is working on levels that I can't conceive, couldn't conceive of the first time I read final crisis. You know, I don't expect that out of any other writer, you know, but I do expect one or two or three little things that make me go, Ooh, I wonder where this is going. Whereas even if I'm wrong, I kind of feel like I know where everything's going right now. You know, I, I could end up being wrong in the end, but like nothing is, nothing is zigging when I think it should zag, you know, nothing is surprising me or, 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 teasing my mind along with this i'm just merely reading a story and thinking this art's really good oh i like this moment nothing's like zach nothing's compelling me so uh, again like i i don't think that, that anything that you guys are saying is essentially like 100 percent incorrect here i think there's a couple of things that are in play that maybe aren't being considered enough for me here. The first of which is you guys are talking about how, how you're waiting for this to be more compelling or whatever. It's the first issue. Like, but you, okay, you, okay. Gotta, you gotta like, you gotta grab people. Like. That's, that's where you should compel. How many times, yeah. how many books are we going to talk about where we go? Ah, it's only the first issue boys. 
Like that's every book we talk but I about. Th- I, again, like I first of all, I think the biggest problem. But with it's this also issue, not the first issue. It's the. It's, it's, not, the, yeah, it's well, not the first issue. That, that is it's that the is million. Fair. It's the millionth issue of this meta narrative. That is fair, but I will say that I think the biggest downside that this issue has going for it is that it was half printed in the free comic book day issue yeah yep. i think I'll, if i'll we, say that if yeah. we did not know about the oath and all of that stuff i think that would have read far more interestingly than what we got here because that was not spoiled that was teased for us long ago yes i i can agree with that it would have made this feel more su- substantial yeah yeah um to me that's a that's a big piece of it um, but I'll also say, I think that, and again, this is going to be the cop out. I, I, I don't, I don't want to be the cop out guy tonight. But I feel like everything we're saying about how maybe normal this feels and not engaging or challenging, I think there's two things to consider there. First of all, is that we have read a thousand comics like this before. And so it takes more to uh, to surprise us than it would have years before. But I think the bigger point here is that for the most part, and there are exceptions, you know, Final Crisis is an exception. I would say any event book that Hickman does is an exception. These are supposed to be the popcorn movies of comics. These are supposed to be the places where the people who casually follow comics who aren't reading every month can pop in and get a a story that they can understand with some uh, without too much struggle and can get it can, can excite them and hopefully, you know, turn them into that mythical new reader who, who, who now is a Wednesday warrior reading this stuff every week. And so I, I think if you're looking for something truly subversive and challenging, I think, like I said, aside from Morrison and, uh, and Hickman and I, I don't even know if I can name a third creator who does that in their events. I think you're you're kind of getting boilerplate superhero stuff, especially at the beginning of these events. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not wrong, but I can't stop comparing this book to Infinite Crisis and. Uh, Infinite Crisis number one ends with the return of Earth 2 Superman, Superboy Prime, Lois, and Alexander Luther. So, like, and that's not Final Crisis, and that's not Morrison or Hickman. I, I know Johns was pretty high on that list at that time, but still, I'm just saying, like, you're not wrong, but I also think, like, well, I might have to. We, I don't think we have to like always give passes necessarily. No, I, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that. I, I, I truly don't. But I'll say also, when Johns brought that stuff back, it was truly shocking, and I don't know what Williamson could bring back at well, this point. That would be a, that. That would be that would be that level of shock. Absolutely, and that's le- that's less of a critique against against uh, Williamson, definitely, and more of just a the state of comics is that it's all like all the stories have been written, you know, like what, what is there? Every, everything's on the table, but you know, Williamson could have come out and he could have brought uh, Jonathan Kent to hyperman from the kingdom. (laughs) And I would have 
uh, jizz my pants and I'd be giving this issue a 10 out of 10. So, I mean, there is still some stuff that could be done. Like, you know, not all the stories have been written. Uh, yeah. I mean, hey, there's there's one guy I've wanted to see for the longest time um, that we haven't seen in a long, long time, which is the uh, Earth 3 heroic Alexander Luthor. Yeah. And he'd be a great fit for this. Um, but that's just like wish casting. I think like, I don't want to make it sound like I didn't like this. I, I read this and I was like, that was, that was good. That was like, that, that was fine. I'm, I'm just saying like, there's nothing here that's teasing me. Aside, aside from getting to see this team that Williamson put together, which I, I really like. And I hope, I hope it gets its due. Like what if that is the actual like ongoing title justice league team? There's no way <laughs> I, I know. Right. See, see Zach, that's exactly it. This exchange we just had is my problem with not just this comic, but like DC comics in general, you're right. There is no way that that's the ongoing team. That's going to be on the cover of like, Harley new, should be the, Harley should be on the Justice League though. I mean, that is the one out of this group that I can guarantee probably would be. Yeah. Right? Fair, like fair, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but no, give me this team. Like, do you know I would kill a man? I would kill either of you <laughs> in cold blood to see a Kevin Maguire homage cover on a copy of Justice League number one from 2023 that has these characters doing the, the Maguire pose. Give me that, but it's not going to be that. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be a variant of this book. Maybe. Man, Maybe. And that's it. And that's it. Maybe I won't kill either of you for that, but, 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 they're, but they're not going to do it. And I think like so much of comics now it's, it's weird because if you're, if you're not going to surprise me, then give me what I want. Like, you don't get either. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I'd love to be proven wrong. I, I love this team as it's constructed right now. Well, let's we talk always about the love team. to be proven wrong. Yeah. Always. Except team. don't tweet me about it. I don't want to. Yeah. Of course not. I, I, I want to be, you. I want to be vaguely aware that I am proven wrong in the future. I don't need you adding me to tell me that. Please don't leave me alone. Um, what were you going to say, Brian? I, I don't remember because I just saw the stupidest thing in the world. Someone, someone I love posted on Facebook. Oh, so boy. I'm just going to just tune it out of my head for a second here <laughs> uh, and try to get back to reality. I just, oh man. That's oh, why I don't love gravity. That's why, <laughs> that's why I don't uh, love anyone anymore. That's a fair, it's a fair, fair point there. Um, I was going to say, let's go through the team person by person. Yeah. So uh, we got. You know, John Kent is obviously the one pulling the strings here. So he is at the heart of this team. But we have uh, Supergirl, Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, Dr. Light, Killer Frost, Frankenstein, Booster Gold and Ted Core, Blue Beetle, Aqualad, Rose, Rose yeah, Aqualad, Rose. Uh, <laughs> uh, Damian Wayne Robin and Harley Quinn. 
Oh, by the way, that is the worst pant where, when they're like bro fisting one another and, uh-huh. um, and saying bros, like, I, I just, I, I want to let every writer out there know anybody who will listen. You don't just cause Tom King did that. You don't have to keep it going. We don't have to make that happen. You know, we can forget it's fine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't need to do that. <laughs> Has Jurgens done that yet? That's we need someone to tell us if Jurgens has done that yet. I think he has. I mean, I'm pretty sure. If not, if not in the pages of his comic, it was definitely used in the marketing for that comic. Mm. Yeah, I would think Jurgens would be better than that. I wouldn't. <laughs> um. But yeah, we don't have, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't need to do that. We really don't. Anyway, uh, sorry. That's a, that's a good team. That's a, I like I, that team. I want to say about the art, you know, Sam Pierre, I think has like leveled up significantly. Oh, like, absolutely. Like this is even better than his action comic stuff, I think. Um, but I specifically wanted to mention like two things that jumped out at me. One that like, the the splash page or the the double page spread that you guys mentioned previously that's like kind of like the the history of the dcu is so perez it like it hurts um but then i really like the use of like um lettering for sound effects throughout this issue um there's like uh there's a few panels that like specifically come to mind i'm trying to find um it's in the it's in the jace batman sequence um where there's like the car chase and there's like all of the like the the bang bang bangs of the gunshots going off and then you turn the page and john stops the truck and there's just that like smash and this kind of like wavy transparent lettering that looks so good and is so comic booky, um, and and even like something about the gosh, the bros thing is so dumb, but the way that bros is written there in that like font and kind of like <laughs> faded out, like it it looks good, and the way that like that lettering is there for like all the locations, like Brazil, New York, it, like it just looks so good. Uh-huh. Um, this whole book looks fantastic. Yeah, it's just like from a composition standpoint, I just think the whole thing is so good. So, so there's that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Sam Pierre is, is absolutely leveled up, and there is there's four or five moments in this book that if you had given me like fifteen guesses to say who was the artist on this, he would have never come to mind because I just haven't thought of him in this echelon before. Mm-hmm. but he's doing, I mean, best work of his career, I think, easily. And a big part of that to me is also going with the Alejandro Sanchez colors, mm-hmm. which are just really vibrant. I feel like it's, it's. I hate when people say it's ironic. It's not ironic at all. It's coincidental that a book called Dark Crisis does pop off the page this much. It is very vibrant and bright in places. And that's a very intentional choice. And yeah. uh you know, it's just it's it's a really really good, it, it, it's a really good looking issue, and I'm excited for Sam Pierre to be the next guy 
in DC's stable who can do these big books because it seems like every couple of years they're elevating somebody to this place. And it's always exciting to see that person then, you know, continue down that path and be be just the next be the next dude, right? And I, I always like seeing the next dude. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all I'd say about this. Uh, all right, so let's move on to our final issue of the week, which is Multiversity Teen Justice number one. This issue is written by Ivan Cohen and Danny Lore, illustrated by Marco Fila. And um, I don't have too much to say about this. I love that DC is doing this. I like these characters. Um, I did not feel this was the most compelling comic of the week. It's not bad. It's just this kind of feels like you know, I know that this this team debuted in one of those holiday anthologies that is reprinted in the back of this. And this just felt like a longer version of a holiday anthology story without the holiday. If that if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Zach, do you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess. What else is there to say about this issue other than Sinestra nice with it? <laughs> yeah, I took the words out of my mouth. Um, I did think that was a really good twist because at, at at first, you know, it's you're, you're led to think that this is a, a a sister blood, a brother blood knockoff, and it's just like I don't care about brother blood. But then it's like, oh no, it's Green Lantern centric. I'm I'm here for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I do I really like this cast. I like the premise. I thought like. This is written by, isn't Ivan Cohen the Looney Tunes guy? Hmm. Perhaps. Didn't we just read an issue of Looney Tunes that had him on it? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Yeah. I should have, I should have uh I should have done the research to to confirm that. Uh, but I thought the opening uh was a little overwritten. It, to my taste, like it was just very melodramatic, and I, I don't care for that kind of like teen teen drama feeling. But uh, it's still it's still I wouldn't say it's bad in in any. Uh, a lot of the dialogue was actually quite good. I think a lot of the stuff mm. between uh, Supergirl and and Robin was really good. Yes. Yeah. I love this. I th- to me, this was the book of the week for for my taste. Wow! Um, wow! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it. There, there have been books like this, like Batgirls, that I think we've talked we've talked on the show before about how like. I actually think that Batgirls is probably a good book. Like it, it looks great. I think just a lot of the humor, I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite aligned with its sense of humor necessarily. And then since that's such a big chunk of it, it kind of throws, it kind of puts me off, but also a problem I've had with Batgirls is just like the way the exposition is kind of runs through the entire issue or at least the issues I've read and, and doesn't specifically doesn't jive with the art very well. Whereas I think here, like, first of all, the, the, the sense of humor is much more on my level. 
the relationships between the characters, the like banter, all of that is like you said, well-written and it's measured in a way where it's, it's not always somebody trying to slam a joke in. Like I love quippy dialogue, but not to the point where it's like uh, too much or not appropriate or doesn't, doesn't, doesn't fit in well. Um, And I don't think this book is guilty of that at all. I think the exposition, like, take this opening scene for example where this this gg girl gets off the bus in new york city it's one page that gives you everything you need to know about her backstory and then we catch up with her later and there's a little more exposition but it's very light that info dump on the first page is like just the right amount if that sort of intro or origin to her uh, story went on for any more than just that one page it would have been a misstep, but boom, one page, they give you everything you need to know to drop her into this world. Then you get the classic double page spread where all the, whatever the superhero team is in in a particular book, they get their page to have all their little um, icons and names and they each get a line. It's just classic superhero comics and it works and it works here really well. Again, it's not overdone. Um, it, the page is not just completely cluttered with dialogue. It's, it's everybody gets like basically one line. And for the most part, it's either informing you about what's currently going on or tells you something about their characters. As the comic goes on, I just feel like it's one of those, it's not doing anything like super fancy with the medium. It's certainly not like breaking any narrative ground from like a, the way a comic is structured or the way the art and the, and the, and the words work together. It's not like, it's not doing fancy stuff like Tom Taylor's Nightwing, for example, you know, it's just telling like a classic um, teen centric superhero team story in like the best, most economical way possible, I think. Um, I wish I enjoyed this that much. You're, <laughs> you're, you're describing a book I really would like to read. Uh-huh. And this to me was not that book. Well, I'll yeah. Say, I, so I, I guess I'm somewhere in. in you're, you're somewhere. Between I didn't us. dislike this. I just felt it wasn't much. Um, to confirm, Ivan Cohen is oh, the Looney Tunes guy. <laughs> okay. Thank okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I'm not saying it's like a, a 10 out of 10, like instant classic. It's just the bet. It reminds me of like, okay, the way that like the Steph Brown Batgirl run, the Brian Q. Miller stuff, that's not like, that's not like Watchmen level comic booking. That's not like, but it is the best version of that genre. It's the best version of like teen uh street level superhero writing right this to me this to me is like the best version of teen uh super group comic booking um like what you what you would hope to get out of this book it's about as good as you can expect from dc for for this type of thing that sounds like a backhanded compliment but like it just really was like a like I enjoyed every page of this. N- none of it was a misstep to me. Um, 
it just it hit all the notes it was going for even if it wasn't trying to break any new ground you know i i think a big piece of my lack of enthusiasm for this is that the first time we saw these characters they were drawn by eleonora carlini Mm -hmm. who was an infinitely more interesting artist than we got from Marco Fela here or Fela. I don't know how his name is pronounced, but if you want to read more of their work, you can read uh, Marauders at Marvel by <laughs> Steve Orlando. <laughs> that that's fair. The, the, the backup with the Carlini art, it, the, the art is definitely more interesting, infinitely um, more interesting. So I, that's part of it. I guess to me, I felt like this was visually not all that interesting and while I enjoyed the story, there was nothing in here that made me like pause and say, oh, that's that's really nice. I, I, I read it with a half smile on my face. And when it was over, I thought, OK, that that was fine. Yeah, that was me with Dark Crisis. Yeah. Although although I expect more out of Dark Crisis than I expect out of this. You know, I expect that to be. Again, not transcending the genre, but but aiming more for this for the stands. Sure, sure. Um. Whereas this just like you, you showed me a, a, a stacked uh, lady Kilowog and, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just nodding. <laughs> uh, would you say that you want Sinestra to make a giant boot and to maybe have that boot <laughs> step on you? <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying those words exactly. But you but... wouldn't, you wouldn't be opposed to it if that were, if that happened to just be a thing. <laughs> I mean, I... if she was so kind, <laughs> if she would be obliged, <laughs> if it wouldn't inconvenience her too much. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, folks. Uh, we usually talk about what's coming out next week, and we can do that in a minute. But we wanted to let you know that uh, for next week, we'll be talking about at least the DC Pride special, uh, maybe Nubia and the Amazons, maybe Aquaman Andromeda. Maybe the new Vixen NYC webcomic. We'll see what we're going to talk about. But Vincey, what comics are coming out next week that we're not going to talk about? All right. Uh, well, we're definitely not going to talk about Batgirls number seven, um, Batman Urban Legends number 16, Blood Syndicate uh, number two, the DC Pride Tim Drake special number one, which I, I just want to mention like, if that were not 90% a reprint, we would probably talk about that, but it, it really is. There's like, there's like eight or 10 new pages tacked onto the end, but it's, it's mostly all that, uh, Tim Drake, um, urban legend story, ur yeah. urban legend stuff all strung together along with one or two other, he's had some other backups here and there, I think that get strung together here. So, um, anyway, that's probably why we're not going to be covering that. Um, and then, Future State Gotham number 14, I Am Batman 10, Naomi Season 2 number 4, Superman Son of Kal-El number 12, The Jurassic League number 2, Sandman Universe Nightmare Country 3, Wonder Woman 788. I can't believe that Naomi's almost, like, Season 2 is almost done. I Is it? I. It's only six issues. It's six issues? Wow. Yeah. Well... The show's done and the show is done. The show is done. Yes, it has freed me from my reviewing. So <sighs> I let me let me let me let me check in with what Bendis and Walker have going on here. I'm gonna go to the very last page, see if there's any 
thing interesting about this. Are you allowed to do that? Yep. Wow. Um, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, the art looks great. Jamal Campbell. This is compelling radio right here. This is mm -hmm. good. Good, I mean, good shit. You think of think of your funny thing to say about what I'm doing instead of being on my Twitter account, which is public now. Which will be deleted in five days, probably. Uh, <laughs> but if you need to find two thirds of us, we're not deleting our Twitters. I am at Brian Inzen app, and I am at the woke of Z. And if you need Vince uh, again, he is uh, commissioning an artist to draw Sinestra stepping on him. So. <laughs> Sinestro or Sinestra I did one Doesn't potato. Yeah. let's call the whole thing off alright folks thanks for listening we'll talk to you next time bye I can't even say it's like creative but like on the on the level of Marvel movies I think it's kind of kind of neat <laughs> it's just neat it's like a potato <laughs> I just think they're neat